0: I try to tell people, you know, the Lord gave you a personality for a reason. Yeah. Hello? Use it. I'd rather have people that are real in sin than people that are fake and self-righteous. I'm just, I mean, I don't know what the Lord thinks. This is my personal preference. The hardest part for some is me trying to convince them that they don't need to change every aspect of their personality once they get saved. Yeah. All right, you know what I'm saying? You know, if you was if you was a mess out there, now be a mess in the Lord, okay? Yeah, you know, some of y'all overcorrect too much stuff. You overcorrect everything. God. want change how you dress, how you look, how you walk, how you talk. Oh, come on now, so, everything couldn't have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> everything couldn't yeah. have been bad, okay? Some of it had to be good. You understand? Yes, yes. You know? And whatever is bad, it's got a good thing to it. You just ain't found it out yet. You yes. know? You got to train it. You got to train the thing. On, you know? You got to train it. it. It's a two-edged sword. You might be... You know, somebody might have called you a smart butt back in the day, you know? But now you smart, but not smart butt. You understand? Just smart, you know? You got to... I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. All right. I'm trying to grow some of y'all into viable adults. When I got saved and reborn again and reborn again and then re-re-reborn again, I was on that extended salvation program. I don't know if you're aware. It's only for the elite, only for the elite. Um, (laughs) But I got re-re-re-reborn again. I (laughs) I recognize that God is really good at how he makes us. And I had a hard time trying to convince people, as I do now, um, of my salvation upon appearance. Because I did not appear as if I was cast down in some type of sin restraint. Yes. Even now, people are like, oh, you a pastor? I never would have thought. And I'd be like, good. That's why I didn't tell you. Somebody else with me did, which I'd hope they didn't, but now they have told you. Because as soon as they tell you, they'll be like, oh, my bad for cussing, oh, my bad, I'm like, see? We can't even be real no more, see? Now you gotta put on your best your best outfit. And okay, I don't know why I'm over there, let's move back. Okay, so last week we looked at reformation through awe. Yes, amen. amen? Reformation through awe understanding the extra dimensionality of god and preparation for uh, next year's studies Um, the possibility and the likelihood of uh, god in extra dimensions made him more real to us did it not how scientists are proving that we have at least 11 dimensions in our creation which is powerful dimensions being um aspects of reality that are not common to us yes. okay that's the best way i could put it all right um we are a uh, three-dimensional being like we're 3d length width, height right and we live in a certain period of time so that's our fourth dimension so we are three-dimensional beings living in the fourth dimension and this is uh, the precursor for next year's study But in that extra extra dimensionality, we began to look at the possibility and plausibility of heaven and earth and God and how he could be with all of us at the same time, hearing everyone's prayer at the same time, and yet not really mess up anything. He can walk your entire life with you and still everybody else at the same time. If you weren't here last week, that's a good podcast to listen to because I cannot re-explain it. But um, it made me feel closer to the Father. Anyone else? Amen. Because sometimes you just, you just need to wrap your mind around something that the Bible says, and it just seems so far. Yeah. And when it comes to me, even as, as a believer and as a pastor, I would think that I knew the Lord heard my prayers, but like he only really tuned in when it was an emergency, you know? like Jesus oh here you are thank you you know but i always felt like he just kind of tuned in then or when i really praised him or worshiped him that he really kind of you know tuned in because i inhabit the praises of my people i'm like okay you know but to recognize that his word is true even more so that he can be with me every single second And the Bible says that He is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. And I could not fathom that until we recognized God's extra dimensionality on last week. Anybody else can attest to that? Uh, The idea of heaven and the second earth that we will live again and what that second earth will look like, that new creation. Uh, Because most believers don't talk about heaven, you know, not in the message. And so we looked at heaven and what uh, after heaven would be like and the uniqueness of saints, which is you guys, um, and this generation um, and some of the benefits of this new earth that we're gonna be in and how beautiful it is and amazing. Uh, we even discussed how big the mansions or the houses could be. Realizing that by according to the dimensions that uh, the Lord gives us on the new Jerusalem, which is where we would you know be able to live and dwell um, as priests, okay? Of God's kingdom, uh, that our houses could be 14 miles long and 10 miles high.
1: Um,
0: that's a huge mansion. So when Christ said, In my Father's house, there are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. And it's like, wow. And not being able to fathom that until now, you know. What I love about it is it reminds me, have anybody seen the movie Encanto? I love that movie because in the house, it was like everybody's room was like a whole other world. I loved it, you know, I love it. And it was just so cool to see that. And it's even more cool to see it mathematically and scientifically shown um, the possibility of that. And that is very exciting. This is one of the the times in our lives where science um, and religion are coming to the same conclusion. We all knew it, right? And for years, scientists made every Christian feel dumb and stupid for faith, and dumb and stupid for heaven and dumb and stupid for a creator. And now all of their scientific explorations have come to the idea that there has to be someone outside of this dimension that is extra-dimensional and transdimensional that created this. And you know, the properties that they say this being would have to have are the exact same properties that the Bible says our God is. So to be able to live in a situation in a time and age where people are like, "Oh, the Bible was right," is amazing. It's amazing, and this is the day and age that the Father has called you in, and now you need to figure out why, right? Because we never seen this before. Science and religion were always opposing in generations in the past, and, and now they're no longer, and that's imperative. Of course, there are some extremists in religion that will take it too far, just like there are some extremists in science that will take it too far, but the middle ground is very true, yes? Okay, so that was last week's message on Reformation Through All. This week I wanted to look at something I believe the Father has directed us to. This is the year of being reformed, and every one of these topics was selected by the Father, I believe, by the leading of the Holy Spirit back in December of last year. And so whatever this topic is that I'm getting ready to announce is here because I, did not, I do not know your, your week. I, I was not there for all of your week. I do not have your houses or your cars tapped Okay, I am not watching you. As Sister Idi said, Pastor, you were in my dreams. That was not me. I was not physically in your dream. No, Pastor, you told me that was not literally me that told you that. I was not there. I was not present. So when we get into the topic that we're going to look in today, I just want to make sure that everybody understands that I was not there in your life this week because you're gonna feel like somebody told me something you're gonna feel like somebody said something to me and i'm telling you right now let me check (laughs) (laughs) i've had i've had no no comments from anyone regarding your life if i did i already told you which comments i heard Amen? amen 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 So this week, let's look at reformation through, well, you know, personally, I would. Well, you have to to get your heart right for. You know, when I think of Thanksgiving, I think that I am thankful for. I just like us liking each other for just a bit longer. (laughs) You like me, I like you. I enjoy this feeling, and when I announce this, it's gonna get all tense and stank. People gonna be looking at me like this. (laughs) And I enjoy when we just love each other. And it's nice. We're just laughing and playing together. And ah, we don't want this to come to an end. Just gonna be happy about it. Yay. Yay! Reformation through boundaries. Reformation through boundaries. Reformation through boundaries. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. May the Lord bless you for May He bless you for the encouragement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, babies. Thank you. All my all my babies out there trying to push us forward thank you thank you healthy boundaries define expectations and show respect for others healthy boundaries define expectations and show respect for others you know boundaries are hard I love boundaries I love establishing them. I love maintaining them and within this church and in our personal relationship, my members to me, we have boundaries. Yes. And the boundaries that are established in our relationship are to protect me from you and you from me. Yes. There are certain boundaries that are in place to make sure I don't overstep with all of my nurturing or reproof or correction. And they're also there to make sure that you do not overstep your boundaries with all of your needs and pains and problems. Yes. Yes. Boundaries are good. And in this house, whether they are spoken to you or not, you have clearly seen them. Have you not? Yes. And if you haven't fret not, you will. Because when your toe hits a boundary that has been established by me in this house, I will tell you. And if you ever wonder if you've gone too far, just ask and you will see. Certain boundaries within this house are needed and I fight to maintain them. So if you try to push the boundary line that I've established, I attack you. And I have to push you all the way back until you get to your healthy spot, right? Now, it's not just me defending boundaries. You, too, have boundaries that you set up in your heart and your mind, whether good or bad, that you do not want me to cross. How do I know? Because when I try to attempt to go over there with you, you put up defense mechanisms and rebuttals and arguments and conflict and rolling your eyes and sucking your teeth and shut down and after a trigger and all this kind of stuff. So you, too, have boundaries. And you two fight to make sure nobody crosses certain lines you don't want them to cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. The problem with boundaries is that abuse happens when one person is over forceful or forcefully demands that a boundary is obliterated. By force or by cunning, all right? There are two ways that people move past your boundaries. By force or by cunning manipulation. Now, to all of those who are the aggressive type, forceful presses on your boundaries are clearly seen by you because you're the aggressive type. Those are not the ones you have to worry about. The ones you have to worry about are the cunning ones, the ones where they slowly just inch the line a little bit and a little bit more. A little bit more. Those are the ones that get you. Because before you know it, you have given up territory in your heart territory in your mind, territory in the day, your schedule, territory in your budget, territory in your personal information that you had not intended on giving up. Anybody ever been there? You ever felt like somebody did a couple of things that you can't really say that it was forceful and you can't really say it was, it was painful, you just recognize that somehow you ended up saying something you never intended on saying, oversharing, moving in a way you never intended on moving. You have just been cunning Manipulated to move your boundary, Jesus. and you know it the instant that it happens. And your heart, anybody here yeah. is filled with regret yes. Stop. Stop. because in yourself, you know that someone has that's not where I had I really had wanted to. And so now you have one or two choices you could either fight and conflict. Push that person back to where they're supposed to be, which more than likely you're not gonna do. Why? Because they cunningly crossed over. And if they were able by sweetness or manipulation to cross over that boundary and you did not notice, then you're gonna have a hard time meeting their niceness with aggression. And it will take aggression to meet that niceness. Jesus. Talkin good. Talkin real good. Real good. So you stay in a relationship that's too long, you stay past the red flags, you even stayed after the abuse, the rape and everything else because they kept pressing that line. I know we don't want to talk about this, but many of you have stayed in relationships from rape and assault longer than you needed to because that person continued to press the line with niceness and manipulation. And you didn't have anybody in life to say, hey, that's passive aggression, right? So now you're stuck which is the second way that you get stuck, because you can't meet it with conflict, because you're too afraid to, to cause conflict, partly because you have to realize that you kind of wanted it. Yeah. I kind of wanted this. I kind of wanted a little more of this. I, you, you, so you start to feel the yeah. guilt and the shame of it, and now you're stuck over here, and I can't meet it with aggression. Hello, somebody. Oh, I, I am preaching better, y'all acting because I feel partly responsible. Y'all don't want to help me today. See, but the good part about having a pastor is my babies don't have to worry about not being able to show aggression. I will show it for you. You don't have to be the bad guy. I will be the bad guy for you. What pastor said, what pastor told me, what pastor she's always watching, what pastor she's always gonna know, exactly. So for those babies that find themselves in a manipulative situation where lines have been crossed and they don't have the wherewithal to fight and add conflict, I will fight for you. Amen. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. It comes at a great cost because that also means that while I'm fighting for you against somebody else, that somebody else is not liking me. And they team up with other people that don't like me at a time where I fought them too and so now my fight has multiplied you understand because one person decides to tell somebody else "Ooh, pastor was being petty Oh, pastor was being shady yes I talked to you guys about that already oh I don't like how pastor does this I don't like how pastor does that and so now my fight has multiplied in my own house as I'm trying to defend one member from somebody else who has not been delivered So when it gets back to me that people don't like me, or how I handle the situation, you know what I say. I don't care. I careth not. You're just mad that I can say no. You're mad because your manipulative niceness did not work and someone still says, the answer is no. You're mad because you were sweet and kind and you had a good heart and you were just trying to help and the pastor said, absolutely not. And now you feel rejected. Oh no, 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 you feel found out. Because I still accept you with all of your manipulative tendencies. And please believe I know them but you are mine. Mm -hmm. Make sense? So we fight. We fight and we make up. We fight and we make up. We fight and we make up until you just get tired of fighting. But you're like, Pastor, well maybe you might get tired. (laughs) If you only knew what the Lord put me through, you'd recognize that you don't have enough fight in you to get me to quit. Do you think about that? Thank you, Lord. And what God allows me to go through. You don't even have enough fight in you in your entire life. Uh-huh. We could fight to the day you take your last breath and you still wouldn't have enough to get me to quit. Yeah, that's good. What are you going to do, not like me? Or are you going to leave my church? Take your little measly tithes and offerings, I mean, offerings, yeah. I mean, <laughs> tips away with you? No, real loyal members give. It's them little flim flam ones that be tipping all the time. Are you afraid you're gonna get other people not to like me? I do not care. I have a very loving family. Minister Hudson, Mother Bell, my cousins, bump you. (laughs) And past that, I got a lot of loving and loyal friends. I'll be all right because I know how to love, and you only know how to manipulate. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shots, fire. (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries should guide individuals into the person God created them to be. Boundaries should guide a person into the the version of themselves that God intended for them to be. Boundaries allow us to develop an identity separate from other people. That's good. Boundaries allow us to develop an identity separate from other people. That's really good. You ever felt like you were having an identity crisis or maybe you're having an identity crisis, it's because you do not have boundaries clearly defined that separate you from everybody else around you. You need some more help on that one? Okay, so the Bible makes it very plain that God established how far seas would go, right? He raised up the earth, created mountains, and he separated the sea from the land, right? Without that division, the sea and the land would be all swirled around and mixed together. That makes mud, okay? And mud is a combination of water and earth, which is really of no use until it dries out. So somebody has to establish a boundary to say where the water should stop and where the earth should remain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a set boundary, they both become mixed in to one another without any true identity. That's really good. Yes? So because you don't have any set boundaries, you become what everybody is around you. Oh my God, Jesus. Oh my God. Jesus. So now the believers try to tell you don't hang out with that person, don't go over there, don't do that. You be like, it's not like that. <sighs> sure. All the while you are becoming more and more like the individuals that you are around. Jesus. Now if you had perfectly established and well defended boundaries, we would not have this problem. But you and I both know you are terrible at maintaining your own boundaries which means you should not be mixing with other people and so close to them because you have an identity problem That's good. you keep looking for somebody else to define you and some other event to define you That's good. and you come to Christ that he might do it and my efforts with the Holy Spirit are only so much because at the end of the day for most of you I only spend Sunday and Wednesday with you And the rest of the days of your life, you find with other people. And some of them ain't even Christians. So now your whole life just becomes a mix. Two days out of seven is not sufficient. When the rest of the five, you just out here with whoever. I mean, they ain't Christian, but they still my friend, right? I mean, they don't go to church, but they do be talking about God sometimes. I talked about God when I was high in college. That makes that does not matter. (laughs) You know, Jesus was a black man. (laughs) Everybody get deep when they high. Man, you ever looked at the rainbow and been like, man, that's a promise right there. you talking good. That don't mean you godly. (laughs) I, I don't know where that was going. Um Boundaries teach us to accept one another as being different, yet still valuable. Most of you are angered, overly angered, by some of the smallest frustrations and agitations that people do, anybody? Attest to being that individual, oh my, yes. Let me show you why. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, no, raise your hand. Yeah, that was you, okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just use Cece as an example, so she said that's not her, I'll just, I'll just use her as an example. <laughs> Cece is often quite agitated, enraged, sometimes even depressed about the problems and agitations of other people, right? Because when somebody does something that is not like her, hello? When they do something that she doesn't like, that doesn't fit how she thinks they should handle it, because she has a poor set of boundaries, she has a hard time understanding that they're different and still valuable. That's really good, Pastor. You've already deduced. Let me, let, me show you, let, me, let me show you why. Okay. So like for CeCe and some others, yeah. You may consider that people that are, I don't even know which one to use, I was gonna say on time, timely. I don't, I don't think you're timely. Are you timely? She's timely? Okay, good, all right. Well, she wanted to be, okay, all right. She may consider that people that are often late, right? Are, <laughs> I, I just realized I can move around more than what I've been moving. <laughs> I just discovered that there, there really is no boundary to stop me from. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait. I don't know if you guys just got. I just discovered this whole church is mine. I, I, can move it throughout any aisle I decide to go to. You know, that seat mine. That seat mine. That one back there mine. I know you give ties and offers, but all this is in my name. I don't know if you know that. I'll put I'll put my name on the line, not yours. Okay. 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 They be like, I get my time. I be like, uh, the debt is gonna be mine when you leave. So, uh, if no facto, this is my house. You understand? It, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So she may think that people that are tardy are disrespectful, <laughs> and beca- so do I but but not only are they disrespectful but she then develops out of her agitation for the inconvenience they caused her the idea that they are worth less in the areas that she needs them in I'm not gonna go back up there I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stay right here All right? I, I like this spot I like this spot All right so because they've called her and caused her an inconvenience caused her some problems and some trepidation that apparently this person is no longer valuable to me. Now why does that conclusion show up? Because she does not have any set boundaries for herself that says just because I don't do right does not mean I'm not worthy of love and acceptance. I'm late often. I don't like it, but I am. I'm late often, and I try not to get my at myself for being late. Because used, used to irk me, I had perfect attendance through high school. Four years of perfect Attendance, never missed a homeroom. I was the A type personality that hated Minister Hudson. Please tell them when I was late or did not make an A. Now look at me, late and subpar. But at some point, the father had to remind me that my value is not based off of how many A's and gold stars I get on my report card. And so now, even though I know being late is terrible, at some point that's just it. Do you understand? Oh, she shouldn't have been late. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm just saying, what kind of pastor is like, ooh, ooh. Now there's the boundary. Hello. It's up too far. All right. There's the boundary. What type of pastor is late? This type. And then I can run through the list of things that I had to do and manage and emergencies I had to be for before I got to you. And then you would see what type of pastor is late. The issue here is that you did not fall as a priority within my list of things to do. So that is your problem, not mine. See? Boundaries. I knew when I was late what I was costing. Yeah? And I said, it's going to cost you your time. I had to make a decision. This or that. I'm always making a decision. And I felt like your meeting with me was worth cutting off 15 minutes. The reason you don't like it and you find me worthless as a pastor is because I've inconvenienced you and you've established a boundary that number one, you can't keep, right? A sense of identity, right? That's the real issue is that you think other people are worthless in the areas that you have found that is your identity. I get my identity from this value so people that are not of that value agitate me. Not only did they agitate me, not the thing that they did, the person themselves. That's that's what I'm trying to say. That's because I can't for the life of me figure out. You know, the issue is that you make conclusions about people because they did not fulfill a value that you identify yourself with having. And I can't for the life of me figure out when y'all get in spit spats with one another and arguments. <laughs> Y'all make huge conclusions about people. Like, she always doing this. He always gonna be doing that. I can't stand people that do this. And I be thinking to myself, who told you to define them? That's good. And you can't get past it and you can't accept other people because you have defined that they have missed on a value that you find your identity in. So now you can't relate. So no matter how many times I tell you, okay, but they're just human. But they always doing it. Okay, but people that are human always mess up. Is it the same area? Yeah, sometimes in the same area, just like you. But I just can't get with that because that just, I know you can't because the area that they keep messing up in is the one of those few areas that you find your identity in. That's good. That's real good. Marinate on that for a second. So now you don't fool up with that person. Jesus. I mean, i say hi, but I ain't really, you know. Oh, no. Who are you? Who are you? I, I passed a group of people, okay? Yeah. It's small, tiny, but mighty, all right? Yeah. I love my babies, each and every one, without their, with all of their flaws, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Some of these flaws are detrimental to them and possibly detrimental to my church yes yeah, but through it all we love each other yeah. I can still see the value in that person and I would prefer to be like Christ and to say that that is just a sin and you're not a sinner yeah. Yeah. but you cannot extend that same grace to others because if you did then it will devalue you That's good. Wow. Wow. That's good. right if you, if you let that go, then now you don't have any value. You know how you say, well, I ain't going to be sitting over here looking like a punk. So you get identity based off of how strong you appear. That's good, Pastor. That's good. You ain't going to be making me look like a punk. You are going to be making me look stupid. Oh, so you get your identity based off how smart you look. Because That's That's all these areas that you're not going to deal with, all these types of people that you concluded because they made a mistake that you're not going to fool up with are the same types of people that make mistakes in areas that you have based your entire identity off of. So when you set boundaries for yourself to say that I am not, this is not defined me, this is not defined me. And you put those boundaries appropriately, then you can accept people and all of their mistakes of different types and skill set and problems with equal value. Yes. That's how you can say their good outweighs They're bad. their bad. Peaceful pastor, you be lying. You know my good don't outweigh my bad. Yes, it does, baby. Yes, it does. Your good outweighs your bad, especially if you're in this house. Amen? Amen. 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 Boundaries teach us to accept one another as being different yet still valuable. God uses boundaries to help us appreciate the differences in people rather than be upset by them. I can I use you for a second? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Pastor. You may use me. Janiyah is one of the most vocal persons we have in this house. Is she not? And some of the new people don't really know her very well. And all I've heard it was complaints from the old people that the new people feel like Janiyah is too aggressive, too abrasive, too rash, too harsh. To which. I have to remind people that Janiah's heart is absolutely amazing. She has one of the greatest, most givingest hearts, most loyalest hearts known to this whole church. She does. And that will come with some untrained harshness and brashness. She might not say it the way you want her to say it, but everything she argues about is something that she loves. Check it. Everything she fusses about is because it's attached to something she loves. That's true. If you don't know that about her, because you get your identity by how nice you appear, then you will also have a problem with her. You're a people pleaser. You don't want to admit it, but you are. And so people that cannot be kind or nice agitate you because you're thinking, well, why can't they just be nice? Well, why can't they just say it this way? Because they are not you. And rather than trying to get them to change their entire character that God gave them, why don't you decide to find value beyond the thing that you don't like about them? Come on. Come on. The challenge is on you. The challenge is on you. The, the, the moment to stretch is yours, Amen. not hers. It's yours. Who told you you need to tell her what things she need to change in her life? Don't you have enough you need to change? Apparently, this is one of them. You could see, the Bible says, no, no man by the flesh, but by what? By the spirit. So the idea that you can't see her heart in something is a direct reflection of your carnality, not hers. Because anybody in this house is mine. long as we're clear. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're mine, then they're the Lord's because they're the Lord's. They're mine and because they're his and he loves them. I automatically love them and you are not going to downgrade and degrade my babies. Amen. Hello? As Amen. long as you know. As soon as you start saying something that joke's too harsh, I look at you like this. that's too harsh it's fine no it's not fine I said it's too harsh why cuz I know your heart I know what you're gonna have to take home about that joke at the end of the day and it's not right yes all right as long as we're clear amen see that is the thing see <laughs> people cannot come to me and talk about somebody else down bad you can tell me they did something wrong, but you can't tell me that they are foul, they are rude, they are mean. They, no one, to, to be honest, no one in this house can come to me and degrade anybody else in my house. The problem is that you will let somebody in this house degrade me. It's all right, I love you. You just don't know loyalty yet, but we will teach you. It's all right, everybody don't have, they weren't raised with loyalty because they had so many people hurting them, right? But in this house, please know, you are being raised to no loyalty, ain't that right? That's right, loyalty, tell them. The better your boundaries of self-awareness and self-definition, the greater your capacity to offer empathy and love to others. The better your boundaries, of self-awareness and self-definition, the better they are, not the number, the quality of your boundaries, the greater your capacity to offer empathy and love to others. To offer empathy and love. I have a good set of boundaries for myself. Have a good set of boundaries to know who I am and what I am. A Couple years ago, I had so many complaints before you guys, some of you guys got here, had so many complaints that I was harsh. Isn't that right, Sister Glenda? Mean. That I said things too, too, too aggressively, too abruptly, you know? And it just kept happening year after year after year. I just don't like how you be talking to people. And I'm like, doggone it. And every year I would pray, Lord, help me to be more like Joel Osteen, Lord. Help me, Jesus, to be more kind and more patient in the things that I say. Help bridle my tongue, Lord God. Bridle, I was going to fast. I need to be nice. And then one year I said, I'm not. I'm not nice. To the whole congregation, I am a B. And when I said B, I meant the girl dog version. And I made sure everybody knew. That from now on, you can tell, you can say that pastor is a bee, all right? That way I don't have to keep living up to your expectations of what you think a good pastor needs to be, because trying to live up to that and I think it's causing me too much energy and what God really wants me to become. Does that make sense? So now you have to say, well, I go to a church and please believe, don't play with my pastor because she is a bee. Well, why are you there? Because secretly I like bees. Quiet is kept, I also admire that, you understand? I like the fact, and what I was really upset with is I did not have the, the courage to stand up more the way she stands up. Yeah. To say it without being hurtful, but firm and true. Yeah. I didn't like that. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like the fact that she knows exactly when to raise her voice and when not to raise her voice. When I think you should just never raise your voice. Right? better boundaries of self-awareness and self-definition. I define myself. And I got tired of other people trying to define my role. So every day when I get done preaching, I ask the Lord in one of my many prayers, "You make me the pastor and preacher that you desire for me to be. I wash away other people's critique and my own self-critique, and I surrender my heart to your perfection and yours alone." That's it. That's all. That's all I could do. Right? And you get to watch me grow as I watch you grow. Yes? Amen. 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 I mean, we're growing at different stuff, okay? We ain't growing at the same. Not the same thing. thing. (laughs) But we grow, yeah? Uh, Let's go back to Proverbs 25, verse 17. No. Psalms 1 and 3. (laughs) Let's go back to Psalms 1 and 3 that was our offering scripture he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers and that is amazing yes this is the righteous man but let's go back to verse 1 are you there say amen. amen the way of the righteous and the wicked is the header for this blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked I would underline The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft in the wind that drives away, underline away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way, underline the way, of the righteous, but the way, underline the way, of the wicked will perish. Let's stop right there. The last verse here is pretty much surmising everything that we need to discuss today are you with me the last latter part of that verse says for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish now I expected this scripture to end with but the wicked will perish in their way Right, but or maybe the way of the wicked will lead them to perishing. At some point, I expected this verse to end with the individual that went in that direction is going to perish, but that is not how this verse ends. This verse ends with the way of the wicked will perish, indicating since way is not a human being but it's personified that you cannot distinguish the way from the person. Oh wow. Let me say it again. Okay, okay. <laughs> Considering the verse says the way will perish and the way is personified, all right? It's giving life uh, life living characteristics. All right? So the way and the person that's in that way are the same. You cannot distinguish between the way or the person that is in that way. So if the way perishes, it's because the person is already in that way. They are one and the same. What you don't like to hear is that you are defined by the ways that you go. You don't like to hear this. You don't like to hear that you are defined by the decisions you make you are defined that by the places you stand you are defined by the areas you're in you are defined by the circumstances you find yourself in we don't like to hear that yeah. no nah, I'm, I'm, I'm over here but I'm not I'm not with this really right, right. really let's let's go back let's let's go back blessing the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked That means you can't walk where those that are already sinning are telling you to walk. That seemed like common sense, doesn't it? But for some reason, common sense is not common because you very well know there are unsafe people on your TikTok, unsafe people in your circle of friends that you actually tell your problems to and decide and consider their counsel. you look at their lives and they be like you be like what but you know what girl because that's what you know it's in your heart okay it's really about you should look at their life and go now why am i listening to you i love you but this is not the advice i need to be listening to so why do you go to them because you know their lifestyle would also affirm what it is you really want to do so now you got to justify that even though they're not saved, they still make sense. And even though they're not Christians, I mean it's still kind of wise. And God could use a donkey and yada yada yada. So you want to be a donkey? Come on, that's good. <laughs> When you say God could use anybody, you want to be a donkey? You want to be you want to be the anybody. That's not the point of the story. Ah. <laughs> the point of the story is that you not that you strive to be the donkey. You know what I'm saying? But when you want what you want, even dumb stuff makes sense. You know, because God will use a donkey. So, you know, even though it ain't saved, God could still use it. Really? Really? Let me me get this straight. You have a pastor in a church that you vowed to go to who literally can hear God's voice. And you've seen it for yourself. And rather than talk to her about this thing that you're confused by, you rather go to the donkey who has evidence of not living for God. And then you think that this is who God wants to use. Did this this donkey get ordained? Because pretty much when you're ordained, that's when they say that this is who God wants to use. Did the donkey get ordained to be used by God? Because Pharaoh's prophets had serpents too. Just because somebody could say something that works that you see does not mean that's the way God intended for the saint to get their information. Will the horoscopes be right? Will the numerology be right? Will the dreams be right? Yes, all right, but you're developing a pattern of sorcery and witchcraft where you really think Satan is going to give you an answer. And one day, he's going to give you an answer that you're going to believe that's going to lead you down a path of unrighteousness. I know you don't want to come talk to me about it because you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say? And you don't want to feel what I'm going to make you feel. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently that's what you need. Yeah. Well, when Pastor said it, it'd be too much weight on it. You need this weight. What you act like? You need to feel that somebody might be disappointed. You need to feel that you might have messed up because your own disappointment in yourself is not enough. Yeah. If it was, you wouldn't have done it in the first place you ain't beating yourself up enough you're being a hypocrite you put that knife to your neck and once it hurts you take it down but you come to me I'm gonna cut your head off slice it clean that's exactly what you need do you understand So okay could deceive yourself well I'm hard on myself no let me tell you if you hard on yourself come here sometimes I be too hard on myself no let me tell you what you tell yourself no that's right what else no, yeah, you should do that too. Yeah, what else? No, you ain't talk too hard on yourself. As a matter of fact, you should also add. Delete the number. You should also add. Block the number. You should also add. Unfollow, defollow. You should also add. Maybe get out of that class. Maybe go to another workout class. Maybe change your work schedule. Maybe you should also add. So I don't think you're too hard on yourself. This is the way of the, of the counsel of the wicked. Don't walk in their counsel. And he says, nor stands in the way of sinners. Now, this is hilarious. The sinners are going in this direction, right? And even though you're not going with them, the word of God is saying that you're standing in the same direction they're going. You think because you're not doing the same thing that they're doing, that somehow you just standing, you're gonna be able to maintain. No, you are not gonna be able to maintain just standing there in the direction that they're going because if you could maintain it, you wouldn't be over there in the first place. The fact that you're in the way of the sinners means that you have the proclivity to be swayed by the sinner. The devil's trying to get somebody distracted. I'm going to have to say it again because I'm missing half the church that I wanted to get. Okay, y'all listening? Let's do it again. The good to say you should not stand in the way of sinners. So you tell yourself, even though I'm around them, I'm not doing what they're doing. This is not an appropriate boundary for you, okay? Because they're all going this way. They're all going this way and you're standing in the direction that they're going. Now you think that you're gonna be able to just stand while they're going in that direction. You are lying to yourself. Why, how do I know? Because if you were able to stand in that direction, you would not be over there. But since you are over there in the way of the sinners, then you have a proclivity to be swayed and pushed as the sinners are going in that direction. If you wasn't able to be swayed by that, you wouldn't be over there. Oh, buddy. That's good, oh, buddy. You wouldn't be a Christian in the way of sinners. Mm. So you're lying to yourself so that you could say that, oh, no, I didn't really want it. It just happened. You wanted it. That's why you were there. Yeah. Yeah. You just prefer to say something got a hold of you. Somebody took over. He just, yeah. he kept going after I said, no, you had no business being there. This is not condone his action, but it is to say there's a part of you that went too far. So just standing in that direction is not helpful. All your friends gay and you trying not to be gay, that's stupid. All your friends smoke weed and you trying not to smoke weed, that is dumb. All your friends club, are you trying not to club. You are an idiot. See, see how we got to fight? Every day I got to fight to prove my love to you. Listen. I'm telling your flesh self that we're trying to lie to you that they are stupid, not you, you're a very smart person, but this other part of you, very stupid. Made dumb by your own selfish desires. Made foolish by your own flesh. Got you out here looking crazy. I ain't looking crazy. You looking crazy to all the believers. <laughs> you are looking the heck of crazy to us. I'd be like, ooh, don't you struggle with that? Yeah. And you gonna go, pastor? I ain't even into that no more. Uh, you look like you went to it to me, cause you're standing in the way of the sinners. Well, pastor, how are we supposed to reach the sinners? Let me show you. Let me show you how you go to sinners, okay? And you, cause you gotta you gotta reach the sinners, right? But pastor, if I, could, I, I think I can get them saved. Okay. <laughs> Let me show you how this is supposed to look. Here's the way of the sinners. They're going in that direction. Here's me as a saint. If you ain't dragging somebody with you, if you ain't passing through it, you ain't got no business being over there. When I was caught in sin in, in fraternities and sororities, I had one best friend. I said, best friend, I'm out. This is why I'm out. She said, best friend, me too. I said, bet. And we took our hand and we walked straight out. That was it. We ain't standing up here. Well, let's try to witness to all the rest of them that's in there. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. I got my one and we out. That's it. I can't be getting everybody else. The Lord's gonna have to get them. <laughs> Come to find out, I ministered to thousands upon thousands across the nation. But when it came to me standing in it, I didn't. I walked out, and anybody who wanted to go could go with me out. But I'm not staying in here in order to save you. <sighs> You're going to stay in it in order to save them. Uh -uh. You know your flesh been tricking you left and right, but you're going to stay in it to save them. Uh Just be honest. You're deceiving yourself. You just wanted to look like you got overtaken rather than admit that you chose it. But I'm here to tell you, you're staying over there. Your pastor say you chose it. When you say, uh-uh, I, was just, I didn't even mean for that to happen, you chose it. Yeah. You chose it. Just know, when you come to yourself, Pastor did say, I chose it. You did. You did. But I didn't mean for it to go down like that. You did not mean. Not to. You got to mean not to, baby. You got to mean not to. You got to put up everything you can to make sure that you're not to. Boundaries are neutral. Boundaries are in of themselves, Neutral boundaries are not good or bad. The only thing that defines y'all. All all right. The only thing, the only thing that defines whether a boundary is good or bad, positive or negative is the direction that you're going. The only thing that defines whether a boundary is positive or negative in your life is based off of the direction that you're going. Right? Yes. Amen. 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 Everybody's like, Hmm, I'm still thinking. Let me help you. Let me help 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 you. Okay. If you have a boundary, okay, it's a bench up here. Okay. All right. This bench is my boundary. Okay. If the boundary is in a direction, I'm not supposed to go in. It's a warning. If a boundary is in a direction that I'm not supposed to be going in, it's a warning. When you hit the line of the boundary in the direction you're not supposed to be going, it is a warning that you're going what? In the wrong direction. It is not to tell you that you're supposed to stay over there. It's to point out that you are going the wrong way. Did you hit this line? Yeah, stupid, wrong way. Not what, but is it, can I still like, do I need to keep going? No, you don't keep walking along the boundary with your silly stuff, you're gonna fall over. <laughs> what dummy says, well, let me just see how close to the edge I could get. You the dummy, you. I mean, it ain't, technically it ain't sex like this. It ain't really sex if we do it like this. It is impossible for you as a human to walk that straight and narrow line. You can't walk a straight and narrow n- line without a boundary. If there was no boundary, you cannot walk a straight and narrow line. So why would you think that you could walk for a long periodically time along a place that has a dangerous boundary? If, if you know you can't walk a straight and narrow without a cliff, why do you think you can continue to walk weeks and months on that line before you tip over you plan it closer than you could ever really walk in real life I, I ain't never seen your salvation that perfect are you too close to that line to be as wobbly as you are well you wobbly But I mean, Pastor, it ain't like that. I'm I ain't gonna do nothing. I ain't gonna <laughs> it's <a> wobble itself. <laughs> <laughs> a boundary in the direction you're not supposed to go is a warning. A warning. I help to tell you where your boundaries are. Yes, you and since some of you are adults, I don't say don't go there. Don't do that. I say something like well do you think that's a good idea well where were you going well how long were y'all talking or where were you talking at? well who was there see I start asking a whole bunch of questions these questions that I'm asking you are trying to draw your attention to the warning and boundary that you are currently facing and the fact that you can't see it is an indicator that you want to do what you want to do Just let's look at the ceiling. I'll just look at the ceiling. And look at the ceiling. <laughs> no, I'm look up. I'll look up. Now, what I really think is hilarious, Minister Hudson. Please help me, cause you're you're one with wisdom. Okay, help me with this. Okay, what I think is hilarious is that ninety percent of the people that I have to warn about an incoming possibility of fail and fall are the same people that are in situations that they've never been in before. Like, how to live it like this, or how to live it like that now. Like literally they are blind to their situation, right? They can't see Satan, they can't see their real selves, they don't know what's what, you understand? Like I don't know if this is me, is it the Satan? Am I possessed, is, am, I, am I free? Am I healed, am I delivered, is, is, am I saved? You just don't even know nothing. And it's the same person. That as I'm asking questions to define the boundary, it's still moving. Am I there yet? Are you there yet? You're going to fall. But where is it? Is it here? Is it? Am I on it yet? Is this the line? If you're blind, why are you so close to the edge? That's real good. good. In essence, if you can't see or understand what's happening to you, how you got in this situation, or how you going to get out, why in the world are you still walking? Stop, stop, you ain't gotta figure out where to go. I will tell you, I'm a shepherd. You keep walking cause you feel like you gotta figure it out on your own, no you don't. When you're walking in the wrong direction and you hear your shepherd voice, you stop, you freeze. Something has alarmed you. And then I come get you. And I lead you back on the right path. That's my job. The only reason you keep moving in darkness is because you think it's your responsibility to figure it out. You think it's your responsibility to figure out if you really are gay or not. It's your responsibility to figure out if you really are addicted to this or not. It's your responsibility to really, it's not your responsibility to figure out anything when you're blind. The Father cares for you. And he sent me as a physical representation by his spirit to grab you by your hand and take you in the direction you need to go. But doing all of this, knocking me in my head, bad idea. A boundary in the direction you're not supposed to go is a warning. A boundary in the direction you're supposed to go is an obstacle. Oh, somebody going to get blessed today. A boundary in the direction you're called to go in is an obstacle. Hello? And you can say by faith to any mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. How do you know? Because that is the direction that I am called to go in. People always ask me, Pastor, how did you know God was going to do it? How was you so sure? Because I know I'm going in the direction my father told me to go in. So either this mountain going to move or you're going to see me walking on water. But something has to give. And it ain't me. You can't distinguish between the two. is because you're not sold out and going in one direction. You're double minded. Oh, when you're blind and you oscillate between two directions, you don't know whether what you hit is an obstacle or a warning. You ask questions like, Well, how do I know if I should keep pushing? How do I know if I should keep pressing? And the reason you don't know. It's because you have not sold out on the direction you're supposed to go. You start going this direction, then you change your mind. Then you start going in this direction, then you change your mind. Maybe you hit the obstacle and be like, you know what, this is too hard. Bump this Christianity. And you go another way. All the time you're blind. Now every time you hit something, is this an obstacle the Lord want me to believe by faith? Is he want me to believe by faith or is this a warning that I need to stop? You're confused because you don't know where you're going. That's why God calls shepherds after his own heart. I don't want nothing for you but what God wants, and that's good stuff. You fighting me like I'm trying to take you somewhere bad. I don't want nothing you got. I don't want your money unless you want to give it. I don't want your time unless you want to give it. I don't want your affection unless you want to give it. There are boundaries to that. I don't want nothing you have. Amen. Amen. I'm not preparing you for me. I'm preparing you for him. Yeah. So quit snatching your hand out of my hand. That's dumb, cause you blind. Amen. Amen. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. This is why when people hit obstacles or, or warnings, they'll call me up and they'll say, pastor, this is what's going on. And they want to know what I think they should do. Should I keep believing and go forward. or if I'm making a mistake and I need to turn around and by the wisdom and the spirit of God, I can tell you. So you don't only want to walk around lost cause you choose to be lost because you want to do what you want to do. And you're afraid what I'm going to say by the spirit of the Lord. You're afraid of the parameters I might put you on, the restrictions I might recommend, and the disappointment you'll feel when you can't live up to it. But cowards don't enter the kingdom of God. Muscle up, buttercup. Acting all weak and punkish. I don't want to disappoint nobody. Shut up. (laughs) I see you fight more for bad stuff than you ever fought for the kingdom of God. I see you fought more (laughs) promiscuous individuals (laughs) in the world than you've ever fought for God. I see you fight against more people that disrespect you than you ever fought to stay in the will of God. Don't you think that's wrong? That's stupid. But when you come over here, you're like, well, why is it so hard? I'd be like, you was cutting up out there. You was running stuff, fighting, cussing. I mean, now over here, why is this so hard? Shut up. Act like a punk. Get up. I know you ain't a punk because I saw the kind of mess you was doing out there. So stand up. You just don't want to do that for God. And for that reason, you're foul. You're a user. You can't fight for God when it's time. The way you fought for mess out there that you wanted, then you're a user of God. Just call it what it is. You use him. You cry and complain and whine and have temper tantrums about what he's not doing and why it's so hard, but when it was something you wanted out there, you fought anybody and everybody, and you didn't care. Now you're over here, and as soon as it gets difficult, why ain't it so hard? I don't understand. Bump this. I don't know what God wants for me. And I just to be looking at you like you little punk, you little faithless punk. You're so disloyal. you talking good. You're talking good. I mean, in Jesus' name, I mean. <laughs> These are how I feel. This is not how the Lord feels about you. This is how I feel. And the Lord is working on me. My mom was a fighter. My dad was a fighter. Please believe. And everybody thought I wasn't going to have it until I did. And now I got it and I can't get rid of it. But I try to hold it in in, in check and just be looking at you on the inside. be like, you no good punk. You punk. You just can't take nothing. Always complaining. Everybody here to serve you because you're the princess. Ooh, help me. I'm And all the rest of the saints supposed to suffer. And all the rest of the saints supposed to get sick. And all the rest of the saints supposed to preach and keep going. And but Dr. Julian, help me, help me, help me. I'm so poor. I don't have any money. I don't have a husband. I don't have a family. And you know, when you come to me with them little problems, I'll be looking at you like, I try to hide it. Yeah, yeah, oh. We got to believe that God, yes, baby. Come on, He won't leave you. But my insides be like, you. Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown this I proclaim to you verse 24 of chapter 17 the book of Acts the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by man's hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath of and everything and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek god and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from each one of us paul is trying to explain he looks at those who have other religions there's that those that serve other gods Paul is looking at them like these other altars that you're worshiping are just stepping stones to get you to feel and to grope for the one true living God that's the approach he takes that every person that is serving a false God is just trying to look and will grope and feel for the one true living God because every religion apart from Christianity is always left wanting It's always something missing and always an aspect about God that they have come to that is incomplete except for Christianity. So one of the things that I love about God is that even those that serve other religions still have to come face to face with the idea that the God that they're serving is still not enough. And they either have to choose to keep groping for him to find him or to stay right where they are. Yes huh yes later in the verses he says that from one man first of all Paul makes it very clear God is not like you and sometimes we want to make God more like us in a way that we can understand it right we want to say that I could do this for God and I could make this for God and he could live here no he does not he does not live in this church he does not he does not live in a temple he does not right He may live in your heart, but the heart that he lives in that he may live in, he had to make it. You did not make it. He made it. So now you can't even control that, right? He doesn't live in a temple made by man's hands. He doesn't need us to do anything. The idea that you have to serve God because he needs you to serve him is not true. He doesn't need you to serve him, right? And then Paul goes on to say it's from one man that he made every nation. Right. And every nation, he said times that they're going to be a nation and times that they're not. He said places and boundaries for how far their nation would go. This means what Paul is trying to say is God establishes boundaries as a way for you to come to the end of yourself. That's good. And when you come to the end of yourself, that there you will start, he says, hoping that you will grope. That word feel for him is somebody that is groping for something in the dark that you're looking for something. Because I've, I've hit a wall and I don't know. I've come to the end of myself and I don't know which way I'm supposed to go. And I keep hitting the same wall. Anybody ever been there? i got to get my life together, same wall. I'm gonna get my life together, same wall. And you're just doing this, trying to figure it out. He says, I'm hoping that you'll keep feeling until you find me. And the whole time, he says, I'm very near. The idea is that God really isn't very far. And he's not moving around the way I was moving around. Okay. He's very near to you. The idea is, in a second, you're going to find him. Right? It's inevitable because he's not running from you. He's not running. So you come to the end of yourself that you might find him. There you go. He'll take you by your hand, and he'll lead you in the direction you're supposed to go. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, when you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was also in the midst. Go to chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil, Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden, he placed cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, stop right there. So this is the, the beginning of all beginnings <laughs> for us. In this example, God has two trees in the midst of the garden, the garden that he placed Adam and in a minute will place Eve, okay? In this garden, he has the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. First of all, I don't understand why they were never tempted to eat the tree of life. I mean, it called a tree of life the tree of life look ugly or something? Like, ooh, I ain't gonna eat that. I would've went for that one. I want knowledge, I want life, okay? All right, anyway. The serpent deceived Eve, and she and Adam disobeyed the father and ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, they have knowledge. They have become mature in their knowledge of good and bad. Right, all of the adults in this room are mature in their knowledge of good and evil without question. Without question, you know what's good, what's bad. Even some of the most great areas, you'd be like, Uh uh-uh, uh, that's still bad. I don't care what nobody say You automatically feel that. Yes, children are still developing it, all right, but adults tried and true, right? In this case. God gave Adam and Eve characteristics like himself because he said, let's make man in our own image. One of the things God let him do is to be able to choose something, right? If you remove the option to choose an option, then you don't have free choice. If I say, oh, you can pick whatever uh, type coffee you want. How many, what kind of coffees do you have? This one. (laughs) Then I have not given you free will, Right have to give you multiple things that you can choose, yes? So if I give you multiple things that you can choose, and I tell you, as God says, don't eat that tree, right? It'll give you knowledge of good and evil, but you eat it, you're going to die, right? So now you have the ability to choose whichever one you want, not eating it and keep living how you're living, or eating it, and in your mind, becoming greater, yes? Which one did they pick? Huh? To eat it. So every human being has within themselves their propensity to desire to pick things that they think they need best. The choice was, are you going to do what you think you should do, or are you going to do what God says you should do even if you don't understand? Yes? You don't understand really the knowledge of good and evil and death. Like, how is that going to happen? If you did, then Satan wouldn't have been able to deceive you, Eve. So you don't fully understand, right? But now that you have an option to choose, you're silly enough to choose the thing you don't fully understand. That don't make no sense. Yeah, that don't make no sense why people do that. You do that. (laughs) I tell people before they make a mistake, I say, hey, you don't wanna do that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna come with that. Like, no, nah, I counted it up. Ain't that right, Glenda? I counted up the consequences. I said, baby, it ain't the consequences that you counted. It's the ones that you didn't count. Those are going to be the ones that, tr- that are going to try you. Yeah. But you think you counted them all. Yeah. You think you went down the list and every last one of them you could handle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord, Lord. Yeah. Let's say you counted them, right? Let's say you counted that I might get pregnant, right? Let's say you counted that I might get a disease, right? If you still picked to do that, even though that risk was there, I can assure you how having that baby, what having that baby is going to be like, you didn't count that appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. What having that disease is going to be like, you didn't count that appropriately. You made it a five or a seven when that. That don't need to be a 26 yeah. right. difficulty level 30. You gave it 10. You said disease likelihood. I'll probably not get one. 80% sure I'm not gonna get one. Percentage based off that person, and how many people they slept with? 0.00001. You got one. You didn't do all the math, right? And when you did the math and said I can handle it, you didn't recognize that you really could not handle what it was about to be. I see it all the time. I see it amongst you, all the time. I say don't do that. You be like, but I just feel like I'm. Like, hey, I c- all I can do is advise you. Well, I know if that's what God wants for me, then just so be it. You know what I'm saying? I can't control that. You know what I'm saying? Because this is a. They be telling me this. People be telling me, like, I, I know Pastor Day, right? But you just, what I'm saying? I know it ain't 100%, but you know what I'm saying? I just got to. And I'm like, oh, okay. Ain't nothing I can do. You grown. Right? You're an adult. Not the kids. I will tell you what to do, and you better do it. All right? But to the adults. <laughs> huh? Ain't gonna make me do it. We all will jump you and then we all deny it and say you lost your mind. No, we won't. Yes, we will. I'm just kidding to all the podcasters. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right? I mean, these kids, they ain't got to threaten them with something because they be like, I ain't doing nothing. What? Whew. I'd rather we beat you up before you go to jail. You want your cornbread or you about to eat this cornbread? Today. <clears throat> Nevertheless, um, where was I on? I can't do anything about that. You think you counted all the costs, but you did not know yourself well enough, and you did not how, know how deep that pocket of cost was going to be. And as anybody that loves you has to sit there and watch you oh my. Oh my. suffer, and you're going to suffer longer than you ever think you should have. The pain is gonna be deeper and more than you ever thought it should be. You know, how do we know? Because the fact that you chose it meant that you underestimated the amount of pain you were gonna suffer. The fact that you chose it means that you underestimated the amount of time you were gonna have this pain. If you didn't underestimate it, if you estimated it appropriately, you wouldn't have done it. But since you did not estimate the amount of pain and the amount of time you were going to go in that pain, that's why you did it. And somebody's here to tell you, you don't know the cost that you're getting ready to pay. You don't know it. You don't know it. You just think that you do because Satan has deceived you. And now look at you. Now you've got knowledge of good and evil. Now you know what's wrong, and now you're mature in saying that's bad. And now you're mature in saying that that's not what God wants for me. But your maturity and your morality is not the same. That's why you know what's wrong, but you can't stop doing it. I know I shouldn't, but I can't stop. I know it ain't right, but I can't stop. You know why? because your amount of knowledge you have of good and evil is mature, but your morality is immature. You are young and your morality. I could tell, I could tell Duke that he needs to stop. He need to share, right? Stop being that you need to share. Stop doing that. You need to share doing that you need to share right stop being mean to your sissy. you got to share got to share your toys share and I can keep telling this oh I could tell Duke this all the time right am I right but when I'm not around his mama not around he gonna be he's not gonna share with his sissy right so what do you have to do when you're around him and he's not sharing with his sissy you gotta pop him You have to cause some level of suffering that they will remember when you're not around to understand and to grow in morality. Y'all don't want to help me today. Morality only works when you understand empathy. Empathy is recognizing other people's pain. Kids. Immature people, immorality, cannot understand anybody else's pain. Like when you were sinning in my church, you didn't understand how many other hearts were going to be affected, how many other lives were going to be devastated, how many other people were going to be crying when you didn't show up, when you kept being flaky, didn't want to practice for your dances, didn't want to show up to the event. Oh, my God, you didn't even know how many people were going to be affected by your lackluster morality. Sit down. Like you just thought it was just you like I'm the only one that's really gonna suffer and you say it you say it to my face I thought I was the only one that's gonna really have any pain in this really so nobody else loves you you can't say that here maybe back there you could have said it but once you become a member here somebody and a lot of people love you which means when you start suffering everybody else is heartbroken yeah. and most of everybody else can't do nothing to help you they just gonna watch you drown yeah. amen, amen. that is that is tormenting I, I saw my mom almost drown once it still makes me cringe with nausea just thinking about it the amount of pain of someone that you love and the fear that comes into them about how they don't know how that's going to end or if they're going to make it through or you think you're the only one that has to go through that everybody that loves you has to go through that that's true. but when you're a kid You don't have any empathy, so we pop you. You feel that? That hurt, doesn't it? Yes, ma'am, good, because that's what somebody else feels inside when you don't share. You don't know that you hurt other people. So let me remind you of what hurt is. So that when I say you hurt this person, you'll go, ooh, is that what I did? What but you when you pop that one yes, that's what it felt like, but inside, ooh, even worse. Ooh, it felt worse. Yes. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. Behold, the man has come like one of us in knowing God, and knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and, he, and at the east of the garden he placed him, uh, the cherubim, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So he drove out the man out of the garden and then he put a flaming sword so he wouldn't eat the tree of life. Now, I always thought... Why not just take out the tree of life? <laughs> now, I know why you had to, you let, left the tree of knowledge, given eat of in there. Okay. I get that. You got to have something to choose, right? You don't have free will if I don't give you any choices, right? Are you going to choose to do what God says? You're going to choose to do what you want to do. Cause that's always the choice. Are you going to choose to wait on God and his method and his way? Or are you going to choose your own way? Right? That's the whole shebang. It ain't so much the tree as it is the way you chose. You chose the way to do everything for yourself. You chose the way to be so independent. You chose the way to be on your own. And when the Lord says, now you're in a family and I do things for you, you don't know that way. Yeah. Make sense. Yeah. Right? So the way was a problem. So I don't understand why he didn't take out the tree of life. Like if we're not supposed to eat it cause we could live forever. We definitely want us to live forever. But then again, why? Don't you want us to live forever? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? Anybody ever thought that? The goal is to get us to live forever, right? So that's the goal. And now, we more like you. You said it, because we know good and evil. If de facto good and evil live forever, mission accomplished. No, it is not. Because you have not, you did not gain this knowledge of good and evil by being more godlike, which is who you were created to be. You gain this knowledge of good and evil by being more like his enemy. You gain that experience by being more like Satan. Hello? One of the things we're gonna look at in our workshop is that the LGBTQ community, number one, they are the most lovingest people I've ever met. They have to be. Because they are extremely accepting of anybody and everybody, and they let go of all social and superficial nuances. Yeah. They do. You down with me, I'm down with you, I love you, you love me. That's it. You have to really take down a whole bunch of walls to be able to be that way, right? So they're very, 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 very loving, yes? The issue here is that they don't know how and whom to love. Yeah. How to love, they haven't learned because how you love defines who you love. Right? Yeah. So the problem isn't that they're not loving it's that they don't know how to love. So even though you've mastered love and you've mastered acceptance, the way you got there was by the way of Satan and not the way of God. Cause their mantra is that is love. Love is love. Yeah. It is. But how you get to that love matters the way that you take to know and to understand love matters so the way that adam and eve took the path they took it did not include morality it did not include the way of god so now you're stuck knowing good and evil but no knowledge of how to be more godly no knowledge of how to decide rightly And the purpose of us living forever with him is that we will also reign with him. And you will be a very poor reigner because you don't know how to decide justly or righteously. You're bad at it. You decide based off of what you see and what makes you happy. Yes. If it looks good and it feels good, you decide it is for me. This is how I was made. I was born this way. It looks good. It feels good. This is for me. You never question just because it looks good to you doesn't mean it's for you. Right? And just because it feels good to you does not mean it's for you. And so thus you're still in the same fallen state because you never decided to learn the concept that just because it looks good and it feels good does not mean it is for you. And you defined what is for you based off of how it makes you feel. If it makes you feel bad, then it's not for you. If it is for me, you better hurry up because it makes me feel bad too long, I'm out. That's how you defined it. And it's immature. Right? So I'm thinking, why didn't you take out the tree of life? If you don't want us to eat it, why leave it there? Because symbolically, removing the tree of life tells you that you need to find the tree of life. That once I find where he put it, then I can access it, right? But you can't access it. Because even if you find where he put it and he left it there for you to find, The only way you're going to get to that tree of life is you're going to have to die because there's a flaming swords going all over the place. You is not getting to that tree of life unless you get cut up by this fire. You get that word of the spirit and you die to yourself. The only way to get to the tree of life is that something is not going to feel good. And we already know. In your immature state, you already went for what felt good and what would make you feel good. So if I put this flaming sword in here, you're not going to go for that. You want to live forever? Come get this fruit on this tree of life. What? What? Uh -uh, I'm fine. I'm fine just the way I am. I'm fine just like this. So what does he do? He establishes boundaries, kicks you out of the garden, leaves a tree of life. There tells you, if you want this tree of life, you're going to have to suffer and get it. And then maintains the environment of suffering so that you could have boundaries of what you can't do, where you can't go, what you're not able to handle. Hello. You can have boundaries when you come to the end of yourself and you say, even at the end of myself, I still want you. that all of this is foolishness. You come to the maturity of saying, this is all, this is all yours. You made me, I come in and myself, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And if that means the only way to get to life is to die, then I die. I die to myself daily. And before you know it, those flaming stores stop moving and you walk right in and you receive the tree of life, which is Christ. But each person had to come to salvation by getting to the end of themselves. And you got to the end of yourself by suffering, by suffering. If you would eat ate the tree of life, then that meant after they sinned, you would have no death, no scarcity, no lack, no pain. And if we give a bunch of immature people that only think about themselves, no pain, no suffering and no lack, will they ever become moral? No, because their basis has been established in selfishness or self righteousness. So we can't let you eat of the tree of life and live forever because the suffering is what is needed to mature your sense that you belong to God and not to yourself. You know what it means to love and to be loved through the rightness of God and not what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. And we all know it and bear witness because we see you go through things that feel terrible and you go through them voluntarily for the cause of Christ. Yeah. That's why you will have access to the tree of life. Cause you choose to go through the flaming sword every day in order to please God Jesus. versus somebody that's just going to stay with their knowledge of good and evil and die in their sins Jesus. standing all over the house.